0: Hey, everyone. Welcome into another Pipeline podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis of MLBPipeline.com. It is trade deadline season, and we've gotten started early. Some big trades already uh, have gone down in mid-July. We still have uh, almost a week and a half to go until the official uh, non-waiver trade deadline. But we got stuff to talk about, prospects moving from team to team. We'll get into that. We'll also talk a little bit about which teams are best equipped to still pull off a major move between now and 4 p.m. on July 31st. So let's start with the trades that have already happened. I was going to do these in some kind of order, whether it be uh, when they happened or how big a trade it was. And then I just kind of ended up with a list. So I'm just going to go in a random order, and you guys can yell at me if, if you don't like it. Uh, let's start with the Cubs. <laughs> Might as well start with the defending champs. The Cubs needed starting pitching. They wasted no time after the All-Star break to get Jose Quintana in a Chicago-Chicago trade from the White Sox. The White Sox, as they've been doing consistently, maximizing their trade value as far as guys going the other way. They get Aloy as Dylan Cease, Matt Rose, Bryant Fleet. Uh, Jim, I'll start with you since you're in Chicago right in ground zero for this deal. Were you surprised at the load the White Sox were able to get for Quintana?
1: No, because, I mean, no, because, one, I think Rick Hahn has been pretty consistent going back to the Chris Sale and Adam Eaton trades at the winter meetings where he had some guys who were very good players on very good contracts, and that made them doubly valuable, and he just wasn't going to trade them unless he got what he wanted. I mean, going back to when Chris, I mean, who wouldn't want Chris Sale, even if Chris Sale was making, you know, $20 million a year, and he's not even making close to that, and he's tied up for two more years, and you go back then and, you know, hey, Braves don't want to give up Dansby Swanson? Okay, no need to talk. You know, Astros don't want to give up Alex Bregman? Okay, well, we'll go look somewhere else, and so on. And so I just think, you know, Rick Hahn, you know, Katana's contract was so friendly that it wasn't like he was eating a big hole in their payroll. If they didn't like what they got, he could wait, and he he did. And, uh, you know, from the the Cubs' perspective, yes, Eloy Jimenez is one of the best prospects in baseball, but, I mean, Ian Happ has already forced his way into the lineup sooner than expected, and they basically have a spot for for the short-term and the long-term, where most of their I think, outside of Ben Zobrist, I think their oldest regular on their team is, is 27 years old, and they have, you know, 11, 12, 13 guys for eight spots going forward. And you can't play all those guys. And I just, you know, think it was a case where, sure, you you, you hate to trade Eloy Jimenez, just like you hated to trade Glaber Torres, but you had a, a crying need on your team. And, and in this case, Quintana is a guy you can keep going forward. The Cubs, you know, are going to have starting pitching issues going forward. So while it, it it may have seemed shocking to see Eloy Jimenez change addresses and just move across town. I, I think it made sense for both teams. You know, Dylan Cease has got a big-time arm. He's on the top 100 prospects also. But, you know, Dylan Cease is also a guy who, who's who got Tommy John history in the past. He's only thrown 120 innings or so in pro ball since he got drafted in 2014. And, you know, he's still figuring out control and change-up and things like that. So it, it's a great arm, but he, he's far from a sure thing. So I, I just think it's a trade that, that made sense for what both clubs are trying to do.
0: Yeah, it certainly did that, and it looks on paper like a win-win. Jonathan, we talk about patience and and Rick Hahn being able to maximize these deals. I feel like it's easier said than done because – we haven't seen that many other teams do it. We've seen teams not be patient. We saw the Reds trade a role this Chapman before they had to and not get nearly what the Yankees were able to get. Um, we've seen other teams not be able to have the patience and sit and wait and know what you have and pinpoint what you want back and be able to pull it off the way he has consistently.
2: It, it does take a certain um, intestinal fortitude uh, you know, to not pull the trigger. Uh, You know, everyone knew the White Sox were in in rebuild mode, uh, you know, yet he still didn't send everybody out the door. Um, And, yeah, I mean, they were giving up quality players, you know, the quality players that they had to uh, who, you know, had favorable contracts and all those things that worked in their favor. And that's why, you know, in some ways these trades were mutually beneficial, as Jim said. You know, in some ways the Cantona trade – Uh, is, you know, almost the most impressive because, you know, once they sort of hit the go switch on the rebuild and they traded sale, you know, and then they got, uh, you know, so much from the Nationals uh, for Adam Eaton and it still remains to be seen what that turns into. But, excuse me, get all choked up when talking about these trades. You know, Quintana was a guy that everyone was looking at, and I'm sure that he was getting calls Non-stop. I mean, Katama is you know, underpaid, under control, left-handed. I mean, he, he checks off like every single box, and for him to wait, uh, you know, until now was was just, you know, uh, a master stroke of of running a, a baseball team. Now it doesn't always work out that well. You have to wait and see what happens. You know, with, especially with 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 Dylan Cease. I agree with Jim. They're more of a wild card there though it looked like the Cubs are finally starting to, you know, develop a potential high-end arm on their own. Um, but, you know, they, they have the ability to, to continue to flip bats because and, and they're so young at the big league level to bring in the arm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what what Han has been able to do uh, throughout all of this has been remarkable, to take a a system that was, you know, one of the weakest in all of baseball and, and turn it into one of the best Best, if not the best in in baseball in in such a short period of time is is astounding.
0: Yeah, the re rankings obviously coming out early next week, but I believe right now it's 10 of the top 68 on the dated top 100. So you can only read so much into that, but amazing stuff. Let's stick with Rick Hahn and the White Sox because they've certainly been busy uh, pulling off another deal with the Yankees where they send three players to the Bronx, Todd Frazier, David Robertson, and Tommy Canely and – there's two relievers that I think the Yankees wanted and one third baseman that I think the Yankees wanted to keep away from Boston. But whatever, however it turns out, um, the White Sox, they don't get the big haul that they've gotten for other guys, but they're still able to pluck that. I think the one guy in Blake Rutherford, that maybe surprised people to say, oh, wow, they were able to pull a guy of that level caliber, a first-round pick just a year ago in a trade for Todd Frazier, whose contract's up at the end of the year, and a couple of relievers. Uh, Jim, go first on that. I don't want to say, are you surprised again, but how about the fact that it's it's a deal of they're not giving up as much and they're still able to get a guy like Blake Rutherford?
1: Yeah, you know, I- I was surprised in that, from the standpoint of that you got a player the, the caliber of Blake Rutherford uh, in exchange for for quantity rather than quality. Now, look, you know Todd Frazier, and I, and I think Todd Frazier fills a hole at third base, and they're going to try to get by with Chase Headley at first because they had a big hole at first, and they got two relievers. But you know what, relievers are volatile. Frazier's a free agent. These aren't guys like Jose Quintana. That you're going to keep and, and and have as a key part of your team for the next few years, um, Robertson's also you know extremely highly paid. So I, I was surprised. You know, I, again, I, I you know I'll sing Rick Hahn's praises again. I think it was a genius move as he was you know in various trade talks with a number of uh, revolving around a number of his players, realizing that you know what you know if I trade Todd Frazier alone. I'm not going to get a big-time guy. And if I trade David Robertson alone, I'm not going to get a big-time guy. But what if I package all three of these guys? Um, you know, I, I was surprised. Now, from the Yankees' perspective, I can see – I don't know if I would have made that trade. Um, but I can see what they're doing because they do have – I do think – I don't know if the Yankees have the best farm system in baseball, but the White Sox and Braves are up there with them. I do think the Yankees have the deepest farm system in baseball. You know, We're working on updating our top 30 lists. And without any hyperbole, honestly, I could rank 45 guys on the Yankees who would make most top 30 lists. And if you just want to extend that to guys you would think about ranking, you know, would have a shot, you could probably go 60 deep. They have the deepest farm system in baseball, I think, and they have tons of outfielders, they have tons of middle infielders, They have tons of pitching prospects, and yeah, you know it hurts to give up Blake Rutherford, and and having outfield talent doesn't make him you know redundant, doesn't make him any less valuable. But look, they got Aaron Judge in the big leagues, they got Clint Frazier in the big leagues, Dustin Fowler got to the big leagues before he got hurt. Estevan Florial is on the same team with Blake Rutherford, you know was and has. Maybe not quite the same offensive ceiling, but better all-around tools than, than Rutherford. They just got one of the best outfielders on the international market. They've got guys like Jake Cave who are having very nice years at upper levels of the minors. So you can make the argument that while it, you know it, you know you don't ever want to give up a Blake Rutherford, they'll miss him less than than other teams might have if they dealt a comparable player. But I, I I'm a little surprised that they they that the Rick Hahn yeah, well, maybe I shouldn't be because he keeps making great trades. That that he was able to package, you know, three good assets, but not great, a, not a great asset to get a guy like Blake Rutherford. And for the Yankees, I, I think the Yankees are kind of caught in between. You know, they they got off to a good start, um, contended, I think, a little bit more than people expected this year. And now they're starting to fade, and I feel like this trade's kind of reactionary. I, I would not have pulled the trigger on that. I, I don't know about you, Jonathan, but if I'm the Yankees, I would have let this season unfold like it was going to unfold. I, I don't even see the Yankees if they make the playoffs. You know, I'm not sure this really puts them over top. But even if they make the playoffs, I, I'm not really sure that rotation is designed to, to go deep in the playoffs. I, I would have just let this season play out, and I would have held on to Blake Rutherford.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's what made it surprising that they gave up Rutherford. You know, they do have the outfield depth. I think the fact that, uh, you know, that Esteban Florial uh, has taken a, a nice step forward uh, this year at the lower levels of the, of the minors, uh, even added to, to that, that, that next wave of talent that Rutherford was a part of. But I think what was surprising is, is that the Yankees were, were in rebuild mode themselves, and everyone was excited that, you know, the youth movement in New York was – was doing so well and maybe ahead of schedule and I agree I think they they were like oh wait we have a chance to compete Well, we're starting to fade here we better do something and they kind of went back to the sort of quote unquote old yankee way of doing things which was trading for their from their farm system to to bring in uh, rental players um now that said uh, they didn't get raided they didn't give up you know a ton um but you know, Rutherford's got a lot of talent, he's got a lot of upside. He's only you know, it's only his first full season. Um, you know, and unlike uh, you know, I think that the one thing that makes the White Sox trades in the last, you know, week uh different is that you know, it seemed to me clear to me that during the off season he was really targeting upper level guys who would be ready to reach Chicago Soon now, maybe they 'd be willing to wait uh, a year they, you know and they weren 't going to push the, the panic button and bring guys up before they were ready, but th- they were that proverbial phone call away uh, now that he 's sort of filled in a lot of guys at the top of the system. You can see that he 's looking for guys who uh maybe are a little further away you know Cease Jimenez Rutherford, all guys who are uh, you know in in, in a ball or advanced a ball, but you know still uh, a couple of years away, probably. Um, so there, there's definitely method uh, to, to what he's trying to do here, and it makes for, you know, gives him an even deeper system, one that should continue to produce talent for a while now and not just be a, a one-wave kind of thing when, you know, when and if the guys that he got in the offseason all make it up to Chicago.
0: And we will see over the next couple of weeks if Rick Hahn is done or if there's another player that maybe he wants to send out. There was some rumors about maybe Jose Abreu being a guy that was tradable, but we will see. He's certainly done a good job so far all the way back to the winter meetings uh offseason and then this trade deadline. All right, maybe the biggest gap or the biggest void that needed to be filled at this trade deadline was the bullpen for the Washington Nationals. The one playoff team that had just an enormous flaw. And they went and they got two players in one deal, Ryan Matson and Sean Doolittle from Oakland. Um, let's talk about what Oakland, though, got in that deal from a young standpoint. Now, Blake Trinan's been in the major leagues, just hasn't really figured it out. So that's one piece. Uh, Jonathan, you get to go first here, since I went to Jim first uh, on, the, on the two White Sox move. But Jesus Lozardo and Sheldon Noisy, what do you like about these guys?
2: You know, it's interesting because, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, if you're going to talk about, you know, Playoff teams are poised to make moves because of their farm system. You know, the, the Nationals have some guys at the at the top. I think what they were able to do um, was trade. You know, was, was to make trades without giving up uh, a tremendous uh, you know uh, you know tremendous amount of talent. They didn't give up Victor Robles, for instance, which I would imagine would be uh, a complete and total uh, non-starter. Um, you know, like C interesting from from last year's draft. Uh, you, you know, he he's was good. He had a really good spring, so that kind of helped him to break out and, and and land in the second round. Um, I, I guess sort of solid but unspectacular to me. Uh, you know, shortstop in college has moved to third. I do think he'll be fine there. Uh, he's got a really good arm. Now the question is, will he hit enough uh, to be a regular at third? And he's hit fine, you know, uh, especially average-wise. A little bit of power, not a ton, but you know, uh, you know. So that that's one thing. Now Lizardo is kind of interesting to me because he was a guy who, you know, we know the Nationals don't shy away from taking guys uh, who who get hurt. He came out. During his, and He's another 2016 draft guy. Uh, he, he came out in the senior year of high school up to 97 from the left side in, in Florida, and um, then he hurt his elbow and needed Tommy John surgery in March. So the Nats said, sure, why not, because they don't mind doing that. It took him in the third round, um, and he was just getting back on the mound uh, and had thrown very well in a you know, in in a couple of outings in in the Gulf Coast League at the the time of the trade. Um, Now we'll have to see what Lozardo is when he's fully healthy in terms of the velocity. Uh, I think he's probably more around an average fastball, maybe a little bit better. Uh, But he commands it well. it has got good sync. He mixes his his curve and changeup. His changeup is really good. Um, So, you know, I I think he's more along the lines of the pitchability lefty, now, if that velocity comes back, um, then we're talking about a slightly different player and a higher, you know, higher echelon player. Um, you know, so I mean, the A's got some good players. Uh, you know, and they—it's not like they were giving up, uh, you know, Hall of Fame caliber guys. I like Sean Delittle and Ryan Matson; they're going to help the Nationals. Uh, but uh, it's not this, this wasn't one of those like, wow, I can't believe you know the A's got in return for those bullpen arms.
0: How about you, Jim? To, uh, sum up that deal for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, again, I mean, you can see what both teams were doing there. I thought it made sense. The Nationals needed bullpen help. They got two relievers who were pitching well. It, it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's great if you're a rebuilding club. What I would do is, is, is try to get as many relievers as possible and hope they have good years and trade them because teams are always looking for relievers and they're so volatile. Very few relievers are good year in, year out. And, and I may even be a little bit more bullish on Lizardo than Jonathan is. I mean, I think there were reports that he was in the mid 90s and extended spring. I think the velocity is back to where it was the spring he got hurt. And even if it is, you know, let's say it's just a plus fastball, I mean, the whole repertoire could be plus with the curveball and the changeup, and he, and he had really good control. Uh, I, you know, it made sense for the Nationals because neither Luzarda nor Noisy were going to be guys who helped them in the next couple of years. But both those guys could be very interesting players for the A's down the road. I mean, it, you know, he, he's a long way from doing this. He's got to get out and stay healthy and show us what he has. But uh, it wouldn't shock me if, if you know, say – We're we're still podcasting in 2019, and and Jesus Lizardo is one of the best left-handed pitching prospects in baseball. I think he's got that kind of upside.
0: All right. So the other two deals that have gone down, probably, I guess, to a lesser degree, although J.D. Martinez is... Is obviously a legitimate outfielder having a nice season going to the D-backs from the Tigers. But it just kind of shows, and I'll go back to you, Jonathan, the difference in, I guess, supply and demand and from year to year what has more value than other things. We've, we've seen what bullpen help, like a hot reliever, can get you and certainly what starting pitching can get you outfielders aren't going to get you as much as the Tigers get. Dwell Lugo, Sergio Alcantara, and Jose King, none of whom are going to kind of jump off the page at you. And it just shows, and I think teams that are probably now concerned or if the Pirates had any thoughts of trading Andrew McCutcheon, the Mets hoping to trade Jay Bruce. Maybe you're just not going to get that much for an outfielder
2: yeah maybe not or maybe there's the, you know the 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 chance or the the hope uh that there are more outfielders potentially open on you know on, on the market um than you know than anticipated uh you know so that's going to limit it and, and it's still a little bit early you know i could see if perhaps then the, that market quiets down as we get close to the deadline or even when, you know, once we get past it during the you know you have to pass a guy through waivers. Things can still happen. Um, you know, you'll see. Now, keep in mind that if things finish the way they are, as we're talking, the Pirates are only going to be three games out of first place. So, uh, you know, McCutcheon's not going anywhere. But that's neither here nor there. That's just a Pittsburgh homer aside. Um, but yes, I think there are other years where a J.D. Martinez would have. Uh, gotten more in, in return than a couple of sort of interesting probable I mean utility guys. Um you know, Lugo started to you know take a really nice step forward, uh, where it looked like he went from going from a utility profile to an everyday profile. And this year he's been okay. Now he's only twenty two. Um and we threw him in at number eleven on the on the Tigers list, you know, the the current Tigers list. Alcantara is definitely, to me, a, a utility guy. He can hit a little bit. He can run a little bit. Um, you know, he probably can move around defensively. A little bit. He's got an unbelievable arm. You know, so maybe maybe he's a defensive first uh, shortstop. Uh, you know, the Tigers have had that with Dixon Machado. So, uh, you know, uh, so, so they, they didn't get a whole lot in return other than some sort of interesting infield pieces.
0: Jim, is there a chance that uh, one of those three guys maybe surprises us and becomes more than than what we see right now, and and which of them could be that guy?
1: <laughs> uh, of course, there's a chance, but I'm not going to bet on that. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I just think they're okay guys. I think the primary motivation in that trade, and and to be honest, Detroit probably should have waited. I mean, yeah, there's there's a, there maybe are a glut of outfielders, or the supplies greater than the demand, but you got very mediocre prospects back in return. I I think the primary motivation for Detroit is, hey, we're not going to win this year. It's time to start over, and we're going to save $4 million by getting rid of J.D. Martinez's contract. But I I don't know. I mean, I I think you could have found something better than that, uh, you know, if you looked a little bit harder. Um, You know, maybe they couldn't. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not – I will not go on record, Tim, as as putting my stamp on one of those three guys as exceeding expectations and and becoming a regular. Lugo is just okay. We saw a lot of him in the fall league. I agree with what Jonathan said about Alcantara. And, you know, Jose King's in in the Arizona league, and he can run, and I'm not sure he can do a whole lot else. So um, none of those guys really blows me away.
0: All right, fair enough. And then the last trade and and the freshest trade just going down uh, as we record this Thursday afternoon uh, on Thursday morning. I'm actually not even sure if the ink is dry yet, but David Phelps makes the long trip that – that Jim Callis knows all about, from Miami to the Great <laughs> Northwest in Seattle, uh, to take over in the Mariners bullpen. Uh, Miami gets Brian Hernandez, Brandon Miller, Pablo Lopez, and Lucas Schiraldi. And Jim, the first thing I thought of when I saw this trade was, that's just like Miami to Tacoma for the AAA All Star Game.
1: I-, I did fly into the Seattle airport, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I had not thought about that. I actually split up the trade, I split up the flights. Heading from the futures game to the AAA All-Star Game because I didn't need to be there that quickly, um, but yeah, it was it was a, a decent amount of flying. Um, you know, it's funny. I guess I blocked it out. It had not occurred to me at all that uh, that, that kind of mirrored my route uh, from uh, uh, just about a week ago. But um,
2: all all the all the prospect, you know, uh, Phelps is actually stopping it. At- at uh, your house, on,
1: on yeah, the I should go meet him at O'Hare and, and, and yeah. give him some advice on, on the second leg of that trip. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to yell at Tim, but Tim, I'm, I'm very angry that we aren't going to discuss Garrett Cooper getting traded for Tyler Webb, speaking of the AAA All-Star game. But uh, getting back to this trade, um, you know, again, I, I can see what both sides are trying to do. Um, you know, Fels is a guy who's in high demand. Um, yeah, yeah, the Marlins' farm, these guys are going to rank probably fairly well in the Marlins' farm system because the Marlins' farm system is one of the worst in baseball. Seattle's only a game and a half out of a wild card, so I can see why they pick up Phelps. But to me, they got more, but the Marlins got more quality, I'm not sure, more quantity than I mean quality is what I'm trying to say. I do like Brian Hernandez. I, I think he's the one kind of real legitimate prospect in, in this trade, although he, he's still young. He hasn't really started tearing it up yet. He's a he's a toolsy outfielder. Um, you know, other than that, you know, the guys are, you know, okay. They don't um, blow me away. I mean, we've got. Uh, let me see if I remember this correctly. So you got you got Hernandez. I like you know Brandon Miller. You know, he's okay. He was, a, he was one of the top pitchers in Division Two. You know, drafted a couple of years ago. Throws a lot of strikes. Kind of averages stuff. I don't know if there's a, a, a true plus pitch. You know, Pablo Lopez is another right-hander. He he's he's kind of your classic finesse right. He throws a lot of strikes. It, it's a it's fringy fastball with sink. Lucas Chiraldi, uh, Calvin son, you know, another guy who is having a good year, but he's a reliever. Um, you know, I don't see a lot of quality there. I, I guess, you know, and I don't know how you feel about that one, Jonathan. I, I would have thought, given the demand for relievers, and there it seems like every contender is looking for relief help. I would have thought maybe you could do better for david Phelps He's who's having a nice year and has some track record I would have thought maybe they could have gotten more for him
2: I, I would think and to be honest with you to answer your how do you feel about this trade i i don't i don't feel uh anything about this trade i like okay uh yes I mean Phelps is solid um you know it's not like he's going to come in and be you know the, your shutdown guy to help you to win it all. But, you know, the, the Mariners are in the race. He's going to help them. Um, they didn't have to give up any of the guys at the very top of their list to, to, to get him. It's hard to know really what the relief pitcher market is, I, I guess, you know, because as we've said at the start, the White Sox packaged, you know, their reliever with, with more to, to get Blake Rutherford. And the Marlins didn't necessarily have the more to, to do that with. Um, so, so I guess it's okay. All of those guys are at A ball or below, and the best player, I agree, is Brian Hernandez, and he's still in short season ball, and he's only 19. Um, you know, so four or five years from now, this may be one of those that you look back and be like, wow, they got Brian Hernandez in that deal. That's that, that was pretty good. He has a chance to be a, a, an impact player. Um, you know, it hasn't happened for him yet but he is still exceedingly young and has plenty of time and there are a lot of tools there to like so he's going to be the one i think to sort of circle and keep an eye on to see how he progresses to to really gauge uh how the marlins did on this trade and and typically i will say yeah you want quality over quantity um but you know when you're the a team like the marlins and that system is so weak, you know, two of the top guys, Tyler Colt's just coming back from Tommy John surgery, and Braxton Garrett just had Tommy John surgery. Uh, maybe quantity is not such a bad thing.
0: All right, we're going to move on to which teams are best equipped to still pull a deal off here in the next 10 days or so. Before we do that, though, we want to take a second... To tell you about the StatCast podcast, a show dedicated to the analytics that drive front office decisions in the modern game. It's hosted by Mike Petriello and Matt Myers, and this week they dug into the data to break down some of the league's most intriguing trade targets from a StatCast perspective. If that's something you want to hear about, you can download the show on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts by searching for StatCast Podcast or by going to www.statcastpodcast.com. All right, well, one team we know still has pieces, but we wonder whether or not they need to make another move it would be the Yankees. Um, but but each of you, uh, you throw out a team or two, I guess. Jim, I'll start with you. When you look at the contenders that have some holes to fill, who is the team that's kind of best equipped or the two teams that are best equipped to throw some prospects the other way and, and get their guy? And why don't you only go with one so that we leave an opening for Jonathan?
1: I was just going to say that. In fact, why don't we go? I'll serpentine? I'll use my favorite word, serpentine. <laughs> Jonathan can go with a couple after I give you one, and I'll come back with one more. But, Fair um, enough. You know, I, like we discussed earlier, I don't really th- I mean, the Yankees are in position with their depth to go out and make a move if they, you know, if they wanted to. But, like, I guess I'm going to approach this from teams that it would make the most sense to and are equipped. And to me, the team that is the best equipped that I think has a very good chance at the playoffs as of now is the Brewers. Um, you know, I, the Brewers like it, it seems to happen, but when you have these teams with a lot of young talent coming up, they sometimes contend a year before they expect to. And while I keep waiting for the Brewers to fade, uh, I'm not sure they're going to fade. And you know, they may not make the playoffs in the end, but they, you know, at this point I think they've played well enough long enough that they're probably going to contend to the end. And I would not I certainly would not mortgage my future if I were David Stearns. But there's another team that has a ton of outfield pitching depth, and if you could get the right player who not only could help you this year, but could help you going forward, that you could retain, you know, like maybe a guy like a Sonny Gray, that would make a lot of sense to me. And I think the Brewers um, are equipped to do that about as well as anybody. And I think it makes more sense. I don't know what teams Jonathan's going to pick and I won't mention them by name yet. There's a couple teams that have some quality prospects they could trade, but they also have the best record in each league. And I don't know how much they need to make a major move.
0: Go ahead, Jonathan.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you know, he he's referring to the Dodgers and the Astros and, and, and they do come to mind. So Uh, You know what, I think I'll take a look at the Red Sox, um, who obviously traded away a lot to get Chris Sale. Um, They're in first place now, but only by by three games. Um, They could use uh, maybe some third-base help uh, potentially. Now, um, it's funny because I'm working on the fantasy top ten prospects, I think for tomorrow, I'm actually going to put Raphael Devers on there, who just got moved up to Triple A and is exceedingly young. But part of me is like, well, why not just let him play third and see how that works before you pull the trigger on anything? But they do still have some pieces uh, if they if they would want to go and 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 make something happen. Uh, it's not quite what it used to be, um, but That's being a little
1: kind, there, John.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm I'm I'm, I'm being kind. Uh, they have the listen. They have Devers and Groom at the very top. Um, but I'd have to think that there's probably some some interest um, in a guy like Sam Travis, who's you know, just about ready to, to to help out. And then they've got some guys lower down. So if there are teams looking to fill in the lower levels of the system, then that that could happen. So I will not go with one of those best record teams who have a uh, you know a ton of depth. If they wanted to go out and do something, although I agree with Jim, they don't really.
1: Have to.
0: The Astros would probably be, I guess, the one that you could say a starting pitcher, but how many of those are really available? But I agree with well, you. And but
1: that's what I was going to circle back to is that I don't think they need to in terms of getting to the playoffs. But once they get there, um, I, I, it seems like I'm constantly arguing with my son, who's a, a huge Astros fan, about, well, yes, you know things are going great for the Astros right now with the exception of Carlos Crazy injury and he'll be back for the playoffs. You know Dallas Keuchel isn't the type of guy who's just going to throw his glove out there and you know and you have no chance to beat him in October. And Lance McCullers, you know, does not have a track record of staying healthy, you know, deep into seasons. And so you know, in terms of not necessarily making the playoffs, but you know, making it something happen when you get there, you know, maybe the Astros could do that. You know, and I think you know they've got some very interesting young players like a Kyle Tucker and a Forrest Whitley and a Franklin Perez. I don't know they necessarily want to trade one of those guys, but the, the, the thing I would like to see happen, or at least I love to listen on the discussions, are you know, there's been rumors that they just may go all in, and instead of maybe going for Sonny Gray, who you know it would be nice to add to the rotation, but I don't know if Sonny Gray is your, your true number one starter who's just going to shut people down in October. Well, you know, why not go all in and make a run at Jake DeGrom? I, I would love to see what those trade talks would produce. I, I think DeGrom would be a tremendous addition to the Astros would make them that much uh, stronger and more of a favorite to get to the World Series, and and you could keep him for a while, but I'd also be very curious as to what they'd have to give up to get him.
0: Imagine if the Mets got to uh, August 1st and had Syndergaard on the DL long-term, Harvey on the DL, and DeGrom traded, what the fan base here in New York (laughs) would do. I don't think it would be pretty.
2: I also think just real quickly that you know you you look at the Astros and the Dodgers and, and it's slightly different situations because like, I don't think the Astros are going to do something that they would would lead to them adding like a ton of contract um, you know maybe for a couple of months yes but beyond that no that so something like Degrom yeah I could see that making sense the Dodgers. If they you know if they felt they you know needed uh, somebody behind Kershaw in the rotation uh, you know for for the playoffs you know they're, they their would be fine-tuning um, you know would they be willing to part with some of their really deep system for a guy like Justin verlander um, who has not been fantastic this year but you know still has uh, a good amount to offer he's got two year at least two years left on his contract um, There's uh, 2020 is a vesting option but Um, But that's a lot of money to take on. But the Dodgers could could manage that, while the Ashes probably couldn't. Now, I don't know what the interest is for Verlander in Los Angeles or or elsewhere, but he's the one guy that sort of comes to mind with the Tigers uh, realizing that they're out of it and maybe trying to to reboot a little bit. Uh, Perhaps they would be willing to part with him, especially if they could get a good amount of prospects in return. And the Dodgers have a good amount of prospects if they wanted to offer
0: him. All right, well, uh, you both got Dodgers and Astros talk along with, we mentioned, Brewers and Red Sox. So I think that's enough as far as that discussion goes before we just mention all the contenders. So great stuff as always, guys. That's going to do it for another Pipeline podcast. The new re-ranked top 30 for every team and new top 100 prospects list coming out early next week. So make sure you keep an eye on that. And I'm sure we will focus in on that on this podcast a week from now. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.